With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Flames Talk underway this hour. We are coming at you from the hot stove lounge at the Dome. And we're underway on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, got a special guest as we go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. It's our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, is with us live in person. I told you on Tuesday, you could fit multiple people in this room. See? Not nearly as dungeony as I thought it yeah, might Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like... I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. You guys hid the chains before I got here. Yeah, I mean, there's. I don't know what's living in the roof. Um, I do know that there have been mouse sightings in here before. I've never seen one. Thank Lord. Thank the Lord, because I'd be up on the table uh, doing the show. That's not your thing. No, no rodents. No, definitely not my thing. We're rat free here in Alberta, so don't have to worry about those. Yeah, good. None of those. Um, Good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, good. Good to be here. This is. This is hockey weather. So This is hockey let's weather. Let's go. Uh, you're here for the Tree Living Bowl. And once mm-hmm. again, you have, uh, on Tuesday, you uh, put out the, the Western Conference uh, objectives. And on Thursday, an in-depth deep dive on Elias Lindholm's, your latest up at Daily Faceoff. By the way, Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff and dailyfaceoff.com. Usually on Tuesdays, but a little bonus here on Thursday, live in person. You, you broke down Lindholm's future big time over on DFO today, hey? I work for you, Pat. It's what I. It's the, there's one person in the world, and it's it's you. Yep, that's it. Uh, look, there's so much to think about when it comes to Elias Lindholm and his game, and really thinking about this year and the drop in production and how that's all worked out. And you know, I, I think he's a really valuable piece. There's no question about that. But really, going back and and watching, I'd say 75 percent of his shifts this season in the last week mm-hmm. that you look at his game and, and I think it's never been more clear that he needs to play with elite playmakers, elite point producers in order to really get that level of production that he hit two years ago. And just hasn't been the same since Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk have been gone. The um, and, and the type of teams that would likely be chasing him, that's what you'd be talking about, either with skilled players or behind an, an elite number one guy potentially in some of these spots, which which makes it a potential really good fit. We'll get into the suitors. So let, me, that, let me yeah. throw this stat at you because yeah. I, I really took a deep dive on this. Two years ago, 66% of Lindholm's shots were from the slot. Yep. Those two guys leave. Last year, it drops from 66 to 45. This year, it drops again from 45 to 37. So in relation to that, his shooting percentage has gone from 18 to 11 to 7. Yep. So he's not getting to the areas because 
frankly, the play around him isn't getting to those areas. And when he's in those areas, the puck's not coming to him at the, the same accuracy or same frequency either, I think. Because that's, that's one of the things Johnny Gaudreau did uh, at an impeccable level. And, and Matthew Kachuk at an underrated level as well is, you know, they, they, Lindholm finds the soft spots and then they find him in those soft spots, which has not been the same since No, and, and look, I'm not knocking him at all. His game is to find those spots, but if no one can get him mm-hmm. the puck, it doesn't matter. Every single part of Lindholm's game as a really smart player is deliberate. He's deliberate in how he skates and where he skates. He's deliberate when he has the puck. He's methodical. He's careful. He's everything as a coach that you'd want him to be. Predictable. And that part is, is huge for a contending team that gets him. Now, when you look at the next question, which is, okay, so the Flames and Lindholm's camp haven't talked a lot, I don't think, in, in a while. Yep. What can you expect to get in return for him? And I think you don't have to even look very far at two trades that were made last year before the deadline. Bo Horvat going from Vancouver to the Islanders and Ryan O'Reilly going from St. Louis to Toronto. Those two trades and the returns really should be like the goalposts that Craig Conroy's kicking through over these next few weeks in order to make a deal. The uh, and and what might um, what might help a little bit or might hurt? I guess it depends. But uh, both those were salary retention, right? There is yeah, seventy five percent on O'Reilly and twenty five percent on Horvat. And and because of Lindholm's contract. There's a little bit more, like he's under $5 million. Mm-hmm. There might not need to be the same type of salary retention. Some teams, you could make the argument, might be able to fit him in without. And even even with that, it, it wouldn't need to be a ton of salary retention either. Right, and that's what makes him an even more attractive piece. Is like So go back and look at the Leafs-O'Reilly trade. It ended up being a first, second, third, and fourth. Minnesota gets the fourth for that's the salary right. retention. That's right. The third is for Noel Achari, who was part of that deal. And then the first and second, plus, you know, you're talking B and C-level prospects, two guys that came over, Abramoff and one of the guys that's leading the AHL in scoring this year that was just called up by St. Louis. I'm blanking on his name. Those two guys, the first and second, were O'Reilly and his retention. So that's sort of the baseline of what you're thinking about, and maybe it's not as juiced without the retention, but the Flames could make it even more interesting for a team and say, hey, you might be able to get his whole cap hit in, and that's great, but what if if you don't need to? What if you can add two players instead of just one? Yeah. The uh, so and you also listed five potential landing spots for him, and and I think the one that um, there's maybe even the most buzz about is Colorado. But you also had Vancouver on that list. Boston's been a, a one that's linked. Vegas was on that list. Like there are there's some uh, there's some interesting potential suitors out there, and and I think the the line would be pretty long when it's all said and done. I agree. Those are just five that jump off the page with really you don't even have to think that much, right? Boston, I'm really concerned that they don't they just don't have the assets to get it done. Colorado does, and I think they're highly motivated based on how well that team has played. But to this point, my understanding is the Flames and Colorado have had, you know, sort of initial conversations and they've checked in and asked about Lindholm, but certainly on the list of teams that have kind of presented themselves to this point to ask, haven't 
expressed any more interest than anyone else, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. The uh, and and I'm curious what the and and I don't know if uh, you can really handicap this, but the whole idea of a contract extension in a new spot for Lindholm as well is really interesting. I'm curious. Well, that's where many... the Horvat deal comes in, right? Right. Exactly. The Islanders signed him to eight times eight and a half right as soon as he got yeah. there, and I'm. Th- I personally think Lindholm is just south of that. Like, consider the year that Horvat was having last year. Yeah. 29 goals in 49 games, 54 points, north of a point per game. It's it's going to be a career outlier season. And some may point to Lindholm and say, you know what, two years ago, 42 goals, 82 points, that's, that's an outlier season, so throw that one out. But I think you could also make the argument on the other way around that where Lindholm is at with his game right now is at a higher level than where O'Reilly was last year at the time that the trade was made. But yep. there's always a premium that exists for Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe, and Selkie winners. You're uh, talking about Adam Gaudet, by the way. Adam the Gaudet, the hockey god. Yeah. How could I forget? He's the uh, other player that was was part yeah. of that deal. I'm, I, he just uh, got called up yesterday, and I think he has 24 goals this year in the AHL. Yeah, he's having a hell of a year yeah. in the American League. Uh the uh, does this is this a deal that probably waits until much closer to the deadline? I would tend to believe so, but I I also, you know, I, I think there's maybe a slight or small amount of pause right now with the Flames on a four-game winning streak. How You know, you've climbed above 500 now. You're kind of continuing to plot along here, and and are they, are they making some ground up? Are they going to be a team that's going to be a threat? I think – in the back of everyone's mind, they're saying, look, we put this team together. We have to at least give them a chance. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think anyone's really ready yet to do anything. So both those two things may go hand in hand with each other. What uh, are you uh, – have Have you been – are you unmoved? Are you starting to be convinced no. on this group? No, not a, not as of yet? No, I, I. and I think it would be foolish for anyone to be fooled by this. Like we, we're now looking at a – 125 game sample or closing in on it. No, more than that now. Like we're talking about almost uh, more than probably 130 now. Uh, 182 plus 45, so 127 is what we're talking about. Like it's a it's a solid sample size. To know that this team is not good enough to compete. Yeah. Like they could get in. Could you be the eighth seed, Calgary Flames? Sure, you can. But if they walk in, it's it's a it's a Daryl Sutter waste of eight days. That's what it is. Because I think. The seven teams in the West are so far head and shoulders above everyone else that's below them in the standings that you're wait you're kidding yourself. Number it, seven would be Edmonton. That would be the today they yeah. are. Yeah, no, I don't I know mean. that they will be then. I mean, they've got they've got the Kings right in their sights as and as the Kings are right just free falling. Yeah, they've made up twelve points on the Kings. I know, which is crazy to think and the flames have made up a good chunk of points as well but i'm but they've still got five teams in front of them to even or whatever the number is to get to eight in in points percentage yeah 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 the and 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 i there's a bunch of teams they're at 536 there's a bunch of teams at 551 572 579 it's it's to a two-game swing here or there but Mm -hmm. let like my point is let's be real about what this team is and isn't maybe a playoff team is not a threat. And that's that's kind of where I am in the conversation about 
I, I don't think that you can dramatically alter course in terms of what you're going to do with these UFAs. And I know that you're of the, the same mind on the Hannafin front that you can't just trade everyone. They're not going to scorch earth here. But, you know, to then be like, well, actually, wait, maybe we should go back to that $72 million contract for Lindholm. Or maybe we should go four years for Tanev uh, just because oh that, that that is something that I, I I'm with you on. I don't think they're going to be swayed by, by that. Look. You're not this is the point I continue to make. You're not winning with these guys. Why would you want them when they're 4 years older? Yeah. For what? And and it should just be the clearest path possible. We want to be a consistent year in and year out threat. Not a consistent year in and year out also ran. Mm-hmm. Which if that's what your goal is, you're I just think you're you're selling yourself short in your marketplace every time. Now, how do you how do you feel about uh, Frank Saravalli's with us? Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. Little bonus appearance in studio with us here at the Hot Stove Lounge at the Dome. the The whole idea of uh, Aaron always uses the term a chip in a chair or just a, a ticket to the dance or whatever whatever euphemism you want to use of just making it in and then what happens? Florida or St. Louis? Okay, or, let me stop you there. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just responding to what I'm seeing on the text line right now i'm curious as to what your your thought is on that and the next person that that. brings up the florida panthers as as this comparable please stop yourself from falling into the same pit as everyone else a year before that the panthers won the president's trophy as the best team in the league they just underachieved vastly in the regular season but we're still a good team Mm -hmm. they had almost all the same core Minus the trade deadline pieces, the trade deadline pieces that they brought in mm-hmm. for multiple f- for future years of first round picks, Claude Giroux and uh, Ben Sherratt. I mean, yep, they tr- yep. so anyway, that's not that wasn't a bad team that went on a Cinderella run. That was, was an underachieving regular season team that then hit it. In the look playoffs. at them now, yeah. legitimate, authentic Stanley Cup yeah. champ. They're or ch- not champ Contenders. contender. Yeah. The um, could you could you see the Flames doing something similar to what Nashville did last year where David Poyle is the outgoing GM was like, look, we are what we are. We're not the, we're not going to be winning a cup with Grandland and Nita Ryder and Ekholm. Like let's move these guys out. Let's get some assets. Let's open the door for some young players, maybe reset a little bit. They made the really nice move of bringing O'Reilly in during the off season. Let's, let's reset a little bit and, and see if we can't get to a better place. If the Flames do trade a Lindholm and a Tanev, say for instance, is this a group that could still stay competitive and keep themselves in the mix? Similar to what Nashville did last year where Saros so. was able to close the door for him. I don't I don't think so. I think they're going to need a little bit. And, and to be fair, to back up a sec, Barry Trotz has acknowledged publicly we're two to three years away. And I think that's really the timeline that the Flames should be looking at is let's take whatever we can get now – and let's flip it for something really useful. If like, I think they should be absolutely in the same market that Vancouver was last year. You trade Horvat, take your first round pick and flip it for Philip Ronick. Yep. Then in the summer, I'm way more interested since you brought up the Nashville part. Trading off your UFAs, that's the easy part. Yeah. What other character moves do the Calgary Flames have to make to sort out whatever it is that clearly isn't working in that locker room? Matt Duchesne, gone. Ryan Johansson, gone. Yep. Craig Conroy has been around a long time. He understands chemistry 
and relationships as good as anyone in the game. Yeah. Bill Guerin, cut from the same cloth, same generation, same beloved player and teammate in his career. Bye-bye, Zach Parise. Bye-bye, Ryan Suter. Yep. If you don't think that sitting here today, being in the chair for the first time, getting the full 82-game experience that Craig Conroy isn't taking notes, don't kid yourself. Yep. A uh, couple quick ones before we let you go eat dinner. And uh, uh, are you digging? Do up I s- look like an idiot dinner? Well, it's just what you do before a game. It's it's uh, part no, of the I tradition. No. Uh, are you digging up any more intel while you're here? Are you? Uh, are I'm you always just- I'm always digging up intel. I didn't make it to the skate today. I just phone started ringing. Things were happening. Okay. I was wondering what's going on with the Walker Doer waivers. I was I was waiting, asking, and no. I wasn't that excited about that, but <laughs> he did. He I'm did, always gathering. He did clear. Uh, what's your uh, the Leafs are here? What's your feeling? By the way, what happened to Walker Doer? We don't know. It it just it went like we've been trying to ask that question around here too. Like that guy he was a really useful piece last year, and that, that was a great signing last last summer. That was that was before Conroy was even named. But even still, you're like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. Just sign Walker Doer to a two year extension. He's earned the one way, and it's completely fallen off. And I. I don't know exactly what it is. Doesn't look like he's playing with the same speed, same pace. Forecheck isn't the same. I don't know. I They're going to give him a chance around. to figure it out. Yeah, and that's what he's going to go do in the American League. And it also gives them some flexibility. Yep. Yep. Is uh, is Sheldon Keefe is is he on the hot seat right now? I think it's growing warmer, and I I've I've said the whole time. You need to wait to evaluate Sheldon Keefe until you get a proper, properly constructed roster. And right now, he's not dealing with a full deck. However, I had a kind of a change of heart yesterday when listening to his press conference here in Calgary, in which he basically said, I don't know who I can rely on. And that kind of felt to me, you know, back at 10,000 feet, looking at this saying, hold on a second. What is he actually trying to tell us? And when you boil it down, between the lines, what he's telling you is, oh, I've seen my name trending on social media. I understand that people are calling for my head, but here I am telling you it's not my fault, not my problem. And I thought that that was a really interesting turn, like hard right turn for the Leafs, because whenever you get a coach start to hint or start to throw his hands up in the air and say, look, this ain't me. I'm doing the best I can. It's on the players. That's usually the first sign that he's on his way out. Yeah. Because players don't like to hear that, and managers don't like, don't to, like hear to hear yep. that that's being put at their feet, yep. that that you haven't constructed a, a proper roster. And to be fair, I don't think it's been talked about enough that Brad Treliving was kind of handed a, handed a pile on his back end. How does this team compete? I think they've got one number two defenseman, two number fours, and three number sevens. I mean, give or take a little bit right there, but that's not a cup-contending defense core. And by the way, Morgan Riley's the two. Yeah, I was going to say Morgan Riley would be Can't run a power play. Um, Is uh, last one. Spurgeon done for the year in Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, hip and back surgery. They have fallen back in this. And they tried Conference so hard to rehab race. that. They wanted to just really do everything they could to get him back. They gave him two to three weeks, and they said, if you can't do it, we got to have surgery. He means so much to that group oh. on and off the ice. Are they? Is it white flag time in Minnesota for this season, or do they have something up their sleeve still? Bill Guerin doesn't have the white flag in his arsenal, but – 
I think what they're looking at is a, you know, a two to three week window where, hey, maybe we can try and turn this around. We're getting some of our pieces back. You know, they got the bump that the Edmonton Oilers did when they made their coaching yeah, change. Short, yeah. Shortly after Edmonton, John Hines comes in. I think their record was 12-3 and three in the first 15 games, and they were climbing. And I thought for sure it would be Edmonton and Minnesota as the two wild cards in the West. Then they just got ran over by the injury truck. Yeah, crushed. It's not just Spurgeon. It was Kirill Kaprizov, their leading scorer, Jonas Brodin, their starting goalie in Philip Gustafson. Go through the ro- – it wasn't just six guys out. It was six of your absolute core pieces. Yep. And that part really hurt. They've sunk like a stone in the standings, and now the math is really working against them to get back in it. And and frankly, now not having Spurgeon, like it's they're going to be in tough. So yep. look out for at some point. I, I last on Tuesday or Monday, I called them a trending seller. That's where they're trending. Mark Andre Fleury, Pat Maroon, Brandon Duhame. Those guys are all. You're all going to hear those names in in the next number of weeks provided that they continue to trend that way. Uh, Frank's latest over at DFO at Daily Faceoff is on Elias Lindholm and uh, how he might help a contender and what that might look like. Also earlier this week, uh, all that uh, trade deadline lead up and the Western Conference objectives, including uh, a big blurb on the Calgary Flames. Uh, thanks for stopping by. That was fun. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Stay Good warm. to be in the dungeon. Yeah. See, it's not as bad as you thought it was, right? I mean, it's still very cinder blocky. It's kinda, still a dungeon. It's kind of like the Flames locker room before they put up some fancy wood panel yep that's kind of exactly what that's a really good uh, little yeah. little small they, they were saying hey guys smaller. we made some changes to the locker room this year we put up some paneling we're gonna get a new building okay we're, yeah. we're excited for it we're excited for i'm it. excited for it i can't wait to be back you know this place yeah you know, we got the visitors locker room right i get to hear pregame lineups and uh i get to hear some of like the the ottawa senators loudest pregame team in the nhl i said to brad Can tree confirm. living yesterday i said how does it feel to be back in a real hockey city <laughs> Uh, don't tell me what he said. That might get him in trouble. Uh, Frank Saravalli is our daily face-off NHL insider. Little in-person visit from Frank here in the hot stove lounge. And uh, that's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary. From best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in-store today. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, it's always good to catch up with Mark Giordano, and he is in town on Thursday night as the Maple Leafs make their only visit to Calgary this season. Steinberg, Vickers, as Flames Talk rolls on on this Thursday. Um, The oldest player in the NHL is now Mark Giordano. Which is even silly to mention by me because he's only one year. He is exactly 365 days older than I Ooh, am. Same birthday. Uh, October 3rd, 83 and October 3rd, 84. And uh, so he's 40. I'm 39. It's like, okay, he's not that old. He's fine. He is. What's what's uh, oldest player in the NHL? Nah, he's young. What are you talking about? Young uh, and fresh. He, and, and, you know, he's still playing on a regular basis. He's obviously, his role has changed as his time in Toronto has gone along. But uh, it, it is crazy to think this guy that, you know, we, we all, you and I have, have been covering this team since pretty much he arrived here. Um, and now he's the oldest player in the NHL and, and <laughs> still playing at the ripe young age of uh, 40 
years old. Good for him. I'm he's... not sure I like it, to be honest. I like that he's playing. Well, you're Don't older get me than wrong, he is. But, yeah, he's literally the closest in age You are to now me. officially, and this is, you know, as, as I've gone along, Uh-oh. as I've gone along in my career, Choose your words you, wisely. Know, you, you start and most of the players are older than you because you're kind of in your early 20s. Yeah. And then you move along, then you're kind of the same age as a lot of guys, but there's still lots of guys older. Then you get, oh, now you're, now you're older than a lot of guys, and now you are officially older than every player in the National Hockey League. Not to sidetrack the conversation, I'll be brief with this. Grandpa Vicks here. I remember covering Ryan Getzlaff. That's kind of how I broke into the journalism industry while he was with the Calgary Hitmen. Lo and behold, he has a full NHL career retires and now Giordano is the oldest player in the league and he's younger than me yep, he is uh, he is younger than you um, how's that feel I mean at I, least there's one that I am still younger than I no comment no comment it's all right Gramps um, oh, oh. <laughs> it was good to see him here it's, and you know whenever and, and it was the first time I can remember being in the locker room, just in like the the relaxed locker room atmosphere, right. where Gio's in skates and and just talking, he he held court for what about fifteen minutes when it was all said with uh, the old Calgary crew and uh, well, yeah. reunion. Yeah, he, he was he was great. Same old guy. He's he's not the captain anymore. He's playing in a you know lesser role with Toronto than he was obviously right. here when he was the number one defenseman on that team. But like. You think about it, you're like, and, and just kind of like, oh, yeah, like this guy was the captain for almost a decade and and was one of the longest serving captains in in franchise history. This is the guy who wore the sea after Jerome Aginla. And up until last week, he was number two on the all time games played list. And obviously the guy who passed him is the next captain, the guy who took over from Mark as captain of this team in, in Michael Backlund. Uh, it's it's actually the whole thing is good timing with with Michael just passing him for second on the all-time list because they're two pretty easy guys to cheer for. Like, those are two guys that it's tough not to root for knowing their journeys and and all of what goes into what Mark Giordano meant to the Flames in the city of Calgary and what Michael Backlund still means to the Flames in the city of Calgary. Well, it's not hard to draw several parallels between the two, whether you want to talk about their fitness and conditioning regardless of age, their general demeanor and how they conduct themselves in the media both when the cameras are rolling and when the cameras aren't rolling, uh, their impact in the community, and then just their overall leadership abilities. Obviously, the last one is no kidding. One was the captain. This other one is the captain. That naturally goes together. But you can you can see a lot of Mark Giordano in Michael Backlund, and I wonder how much of an impact that that former captain had on the latter just in terms of learning how to be a pro and learning how to be a leader. Um, this was Mark Giordano when he spoke after practice, Leafs practice on Thursday, uh, and was asked about Michael Backlund now being the captain and now being past him on the all-time games playlist. A lot like myself, I think uh, he just grew into that role. Like over the years, I think learning from uh, from guys and uh, gaining experience. And I think you know, uh, backs over the years, he just became such a such a like a pro and a, an approachable guy, a guy that the young guys looked up to, uh, could talk to. And then uh, if you if you really uh, dig deep, like the way he treats his body off the ice, on the ice, the way he takes care of himself, like that's everything you want your young guys to, to look up to. So um, 
there's that side of it. And then I think just as he got older, Bax started having way more of a voice in the room and stuff like that. And and uh, I'm really happy that, you know, they made him captain. He deserves it. Was there a moment or a season where you suddenly looked at him and go, this guy could be a captain in the NHL? Or was it more a gradual? I think it gradually, I think, over the years. I mean, when he first started, he was young. Young guy came in. I was, I was sitting in... Uh, I think I was saying it to you, Randy, the other day. Like, he came in with white skates and like a lot of flash in his game. And and as he grew older, he just uh, they developed into like one of our most, if not reliable, player, off- offensively and defensively up there. And then uh, and then just as a person, just like you're not going to find anyone, I promise you, who says a bad word about backs. You're not. It's just not. He's just that good of a guy. Nine fifty plus. That's, that's a lot of games, and for a guy who's done like just the what it takes to be able to play that and to see him do that, like it yeah. does speak to the conditioning and how he takes care of himself. Yeah, he's 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 in top shape all the time. Takes care of himself away from the rink all the time, and yeah, I mean he he. Uh, he yeah he got there and he's gonna get to a thousand which is gonna be a huge milestone for him too like like uh Bax has had some ups and downs you know in Calgary and he's he's persevered through all of it so good on him and that's that's what I'm talking about there's there is former Flames captain Mark Giordano talking about current Flames captain Michael Backlund and that's where I say like there, there are some similarities in terms of these journeys like yes Michael Backlund's a first round draft pick Mark Giordano's an undrafted player that is is not an apples to apples comparison um, and you know Gio didn't really have the same type of like once he other than the the trip to Russia his one year in Russia remember he had kind of broken yep. into the league bet on himself and and Daryl wasn't offering him the type of contract at the time he felt like he was worth I think Rich Winter was his agent even then um, and and Rich and Mark said hey we're gonna the, the KHL didn't even exist at the time this was the it was still the Russian Super League and he went over and played in Russia for a year tells great stories about money in burlap sacks and suitcases and stuff like that <laughs> but he went and played in Russia for the year and other than that his his kind of ascension to being a eventual Norris Trophy winner was a little more linear once he was in the NHL right. whereas for Backlund he's a first round pick his path to initially being an NHLer maybe a little bit different and then the bumps in the road started and he got the injuries early on and there were the people calling him a bust early on and you know he was a fourth line center and he wasn't working with Backlund and uh, sorry with uh, with Aginla and Camilleri or Aginla and Tongay and it was it was just like he had to he got sent back to the American League after we thought he was a full time NHLer. So Mark Giordano's early stages maybe filled with more adversity than Michael Backlund's were and then Backlund hit the adversity uh, once he was in the NHL and yet here both are. Giordano's already over a thousand games, Backlund's gonna get to a thousand games, and uh, both have been captains of the Calgary Flames and one still is. I, just, I think it's a pretty cool it's pretty cool to uh, be able to talk about this, especially knowing that Backlund just passed Geo last week. Yeah, you talk about sort of the similarities and a little bit of differences but there's still, it wasn't a smooth path for either of them to the NHL. And it's almost, and again, I don't want to say that Mark Giordano is old because as you illustrated, I am older than him, but it's kind of almost a passing of the torch a little bit. It wasn't handing the captaincy over when you left and had to go to Seattle in the expansion draft or anything like that. But you can just sort of see the lineage and the evolution of Michael Backlund as he settled into Calgary and as he settled into the player he was going to be and the person that he wanted to become. There's a lot of influence 
from Mark Giordano on the person and the player that Michael Backlund is. I don't think there's any disputing that whatsoever. Um, and Mark, like, let's be honest, he he's still there's still a large impact that he has oh, made yeah. on the, this current team, and, and especially on the back end. And uh, it was Ryan Leslie who asked Gio about that uh, earlier on Thursday as well, about you know how, how proud is he, how good does that make you feel to know that whether it's Noah Hannafin or, or Rasmus Anderson or the returning Oliver Shillington as, as he gets closer, that, that you know, he, he made a, a big impact on those players as well. It means a lot. I mean, I think, uh, especially the, the the young D-men over there that I played with over the years, I think uh, I tried to have a great relationship with all of them. Uh, you know, Razzy, uh, Hanny, and then, you know, Tanny came in later, Shilly. Uh, I heard he's he's back playing, so happy to hear that. Uh, really happy for him. But just you just try to give him little insights on little things in the game, but more importantly, uh, off the ice and stuff like that, just be really easy to I think I think the number one thing is like be a guy who they can young guys can approach and and talk to you and that goes a long way uh so good on Mark Giordano does he um does he get booed no he gets bu- not a I, chance in the world I, I would be I, disappointed in Flames fans if they booed Mark it would Giordano. be it would be a kind-hearted boo he plays for the Maple Leafs light now I I would have no problem if they booed him because oh, it would be all in good not fun. for me it would not be the vitriolic booing that is you know that's it, more cathartic when when Johnny Gaudreau is here next year that's like that's like true anger that's coming right? out. with Gio it's just like a little fun booing you know like uh you're no longer with okay I don't think will either um does brad Treliving get a video package i'm gonna like if you're asking me to bet i'm gonna say no only because it seemed like he laid low a little bit at the dome on thursday morning and i imagine he would like to keep a low profile as much as he can and how do you make a video package for a gm uh, draft <laughs> Um, I don't know if there's war room footage of trade deadline <laughs> Here days. Here he is walking to the podium. Here he is sitting watching must, a game. Here he is coming off of a Here plane. I'm sure they've got some of that. Podium. It's, just, it's a little bit more difficult to make. Even with coaches, you've got more. Uh, you can like celebrating on the bench or like yelling at the players or like interacting with the players. There's just more to. There, there's more there with coaches. Definitely players. It'd be tough to make a video package for. For a former GM, I mean, maybe there's a still photo that gets thrown up on the uh, on the jumbotron form. I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. I'm I'm leaning towards a hard no on that. Um, speaking of the former GM, though, and and more seriously, I still am really intrigued about the Maple Leafs as a trade partner for the Flames. I really am. You don't have to squint to see fits for Hannafin or Tanev. Right. You don't have to squint to see fits for Markstrom or Vladar, even though they're carrying three goalies. Well, they're not on their active roster, but they're traveling with three goalies. Walls here and Samsonov and Jones are are on the roster. Um, Like, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm not sure if the Leafs have what the Flames are looking for or not. But it sure does feel like there would be a pretty easy fit here for those two teams if 
the Flames do end up going that direction. Well, if you look down the list of needs for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they certainly don't need offensive scorers. So you can just scrap whatever you would be thinking on that front. But they do have a significant need to add to their defense, add to their blue line. And I don't think they're necessarily in love with what they've gotten out of their goaltending this year. And you just have to look to Ilya Samsonov's demotion to the American Hockey League, albeit briefly. Temporarily. But, but he's I just, sitting at an 8.62. But I don't think they're necessarily getting the goaltending. And now Martin Jones has come in and done a formidable job to try and bridge that gap to a certain degree. But even as of late, I think, I've, if I'm remembering right, four of his last five games, he's had a sub-900 save percentage. So even that can still linger and become an issue, and it's a short sample size for what he's been able to do in the crease. So, yeah, you can certainly see a fit for a goaltender there as well. And I wonder how much interest there is from a Flames perspective, and I don't know if you, this ever comes into consideration or not, but... Do you want to be the GM in Calgary that gives the Toronto Maple Leafs the piece that they needed to put them over the top for the Stanley Cup? I don't know how much that factors into things, but from my perspective, if I'm sitting here and I'm in the chair, I don't know how much I want to help my former boss out, but at the end of the day, if he's going to offer up the best return for my organization, wow. something you got to look that, at. That's, that's how. That's I, the bottom line, that's, right? That's where I fall in. Is that if it's going to be the best deal, I don't care who you're trading with, and that that does uh, that that also even carries over to the Oilers. As as much as I hate to say that, if the Oilers are going to give you the best return on something, you got to be uh, okay with. Uh, with trading him uh, or, or with making the trade. And and definitely, I know that, you know, maybe the way things ended with, with Bradshaw living here weren't weren't exactly how you wanted it. But, like, if, they, if he's giving you the best package for a player, you've got to be okay making that trade, if you ask me. Now, if there's two trades and they're hypothetically identical in your mind and in your value charts and when you're evaluating things in terms of the return, do you steer away from Brad or do you go towards it? Like they're the exact same. In terms of your no, interpretation no of value, like the the you you see the players, a player and a pick. If you're rating them 89 in NHL 24 or what have you, they're both identical. Yeah, would you help out the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs and your former boss and Brad for living, or would you just lean, steer the other way? Probably lean the other way. All if, right. if, if all things are equal, yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll lean the other way. Maybe. I like it. I maybe, like it. Maybe. Um, do you uh, like any chance? You could get a Matthew Nyes out of them? No, I don't think so. They're going to need a player of his caliber as cheap as possible for as long as possible, and I'm not sure that that's something that Bradshaw Living would put on the table. And I know um, there's members inside that organization that are thrilled with his development. As they should be. As they should be. He's really blossomed into a blue-chip prospect. Um, Not that he wasn't when he was drafted, but his... The opinion of him from his draft day versus where he is now is his impact can be a lot more than maybe initially anticipated. So I don't think he's somebody that they put on the table just simply because they need some guys on entry-level deals or second deals that haven't ballooned to the six, seven, eight million dollar mark in order to round out that uh, forward core. That they've got that top six, which is as elite in the NHL as you're probably going to find. And to your point, they've got nice on entry level until the end of next season. Right. Then they'll have to pay him, which which may turn into a situation where he then becomes expendable. I, I kind of see him very similar to how I see Bowen Byram in Colorado in that, yep, 
I know that the Avalanche are going to have to pay Byram, and they may not have the cap room to keep all of their guys, and Byram may have to be expendable behind the other guys that they have. But uh, at this point, the Maple Leafs have one goal in mind, and the Avalanche have one goal in mind, and that's to win a Stanley Cup and to take away important players like Nyes and like Byram. It just seems more unlikely that they would do it at this year's trade deadline. Okay, let me ask you about what about Canada's captain at the World Juniors? Could you get Fraser Minton out of the Toronto Maple Leafs in a deal? I think he'd be a lot easier to pry than nice, to be perfectly honest with you. But again, they're going to be looking for players continually when you've got your top four making what they do. And we'll see what happens with John Tavares because his contract, if I'm not mistaken, is going to have to be redone in the next couple of years. You'll have situations where you need that cheap Tavares, level. one year left, one by year the left. way, Thank 11. You. Yep. So you're going to need, depending on what happens with Tavares, to be perfectly honest, but regardless, as an organization that wants to extend their competitive window, you're going to need young players on entry-level contracts that can contribute on your top three lines, and Minton's going to be one of those guys, and Easton Cowan as well is going to be one of those guys. But again, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you think you're one piece away, everything in theory should be on the table because your window is not infinite. You have a finite amount of years that you're going to be competitive, and if you can address what you think is your biggest need, well, then maybe you take a shot at and it. And this is the last year on Matthew's bargain deal. Bargain deal, um, yeah. At 11-6, this is the last year deal on the actual bargain that William yes. Nylander's been at just under 7. Nylander goes up almost 5 mil next year, and you got the, the $2 million or $1.5 million add-on on Matthews. So, like, in terms of balance on your cap, even with it going up next year, uh, this is kind of the last chance of the window being open at this level. It closes a little bit when it comes to your cap flexibility. So trading away a player like Nice especially seems a little bit less, uh, a little bit less likely. Maybe next summer. Like when he's an RFA and you got to pay him, maybe then it seems a little bit more feasible then. But again, if if you're making your team clearly better, maybe it's a it's a different story. Well, yeah, and it's not like the Toronto Maple Leafs and Bradshaw Living are going to be able to acquire the starting goalie or a top pair defenseman without having some sort of sacrifice. And I, I just think that given the fact that where the Toronto Maple Leafs are structurally. They'd rather sacrifice draft picks in order to accommodate those additions and filling those needs as opposed to guys that are closer to being able to jump into your lineup and contribute at a 925k plus bonus cost as opposed to extending that window and waiting for those prospects that you would end up drafting with your first round pick which could be an extra year or two years away. What's our feeling on Nick Robertson? He's the other guy that's it's kind of interesting to me. Uh, he's still 22 years old. Uh, he's been a decent player in the American League. He's put up decent points at the NHL level. Is is he a guy at 22 that might be of interest? Like maybe maybe it's Robertson and a second for Tanev, and it's Minton a first and something else for Hannafin is what you're talking about. How do we feel about Robertson as a potential trade piece? I think he's more easily pried out of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. I think he's a player that's kind of struggled to stick full-time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And has he's, struggled to stay healthy. And that's has struggled to stay healthy, so well. if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe that's the sacrifice you have to make in addition to a pick in order to bring in a player in your lineup that's going to play in a top four role on the blue line. Um, just looking at what the Toronto Maple Leafs have in their system, there isn't 
an ex- expendable player that I would really be leaning on. The Calgary Flames have to get this guy in a deal that I think that they'd be willing to part with. Nick Robertson, I'm kind of lukewarm on because you mentioned again, he's been very productive at the AHL level. Hasn't necessarily found that full footing at the NHL level, though granted he has six goals in 26 games this season, which translates to close to a 20-goal pace, which certainly isn't bad for a player that's only 22 and won't turn 23 until next September. But again, to me, he's a little bit of a tier below some of the names that we've been talking about. Uh, now to the text line we go on this one at 960-960. Uh, somebody suggests uh, Nick Abruzzi from Toronto. Uh, of course, he was a teammate with Coronado at Harvard. Again, what what you, you're the prospects guy. Uh, how do we feel about him? Yeah, I'm not as high on him as even Nick Robertson that we've talked about. And I don't necessarily think bringing in a line mate of Matt Coronado is the way to go about it from the sense that Sure, it's nice that they have a connection and they've worked well together in the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the guy you need to bring in because, I mean, not this isn't exactly comparable, but uh, Arnold and Goudreau. I'm not saying that Abruzzi's Arnold in that situation, but it's like you don't bring in one just because Ouch. the other one happens to be there. It's just not the fit for me. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that Abruzzi's Arnold or anything in this situation. I'm certainly not saying that Coronado is Gaudreau in this example either because the windows are a lot closer between those two as opposed to the other two. But I just don't think, oh, they played in college together. That's great. Let's get them on a line here in Calgary. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Uh, some uh, some other text. Mike says, watch that 29 prospects game, 2019 prospects game. What a performance by Nick Robertson. Kids got some skills. There might be something there. I still think there is something there. And I just... Again, I don't think he is the main piece of, of something necessarily. Like I don't think that is the, a the sweet, more sweetener then for you. Well, I, I think again it's just like Tanev in a second. Uh, sorry, for uh, Robertson a second Robertson yeah. and a second for Tanev. Okay, I'm interested in that. Like that's that seems like a, a decent return. Um, and so that that is more because I do think there's something there, and the age range fits. I think Robertson the can, age certainly fits. Robertson, I think, can play in the NHL, and he also fits the mold of let's get a guy that hasn't maybe necessarily shown his best in the NHL. He fits uh, our demographic of we want to get younger, but he's also NHL ready sh- now. Sharon Govici feel yeah to, to me to a, younger, to a degree but, yeah. Um, again, maybe looking from uh, looking for a little bit more. Um, this says uh, Ben on the uh, Ben heading to the game on the other side says if Robertson struggled to stay healthy and stay in the NHL, why would they want him? Are they getting any value for their assets? Uh, this from Paul and Chestermere. What do you think of a Tanev and Vladar trade to the Leafs for Minton, Samsonov, and Liljegren? Um, this says <laughs> Chris writes. F helping the Leafs, Oilers, or Habs. Want to seriously piss off the fan base? Trade a key piece to one of those teams. I'd rather lose them for nothing than help those obnoxious people. That's bad asset management right there, I'll tell you that. Just taking three teams out of the out of the equation. I don't even I don't even understand how Montreal gets lumped into this. I understand the Leafs with true living. I certainly understand the Oilers, but the Habs? I mean it's an original six, I get, but sixty-six percent of Calgary Stanley Cup appearances have come against Montreal. I mean, you're not wrong. So maybe that, maybe that's, that's where Chris is coming from. Um, this says, "What's the cost of taking Reeves off of Tri Living's hands?" I mean, I know that the Flames have been connected to Reeves for the longest time. Now would seem like a bad time to bring him in. Well, weren't they more connected to him when, when Tri Living was, was here? Yes, very true. Um, 
It didn't wasn't there the the rumor of the napkin deal and then he ended up signing in somewhere else I don't know Vegas or wherever he ended up signing. Um, this from Dwayne in Midnapore. I think Toronto will make a great trading partner. They're not in their division and there's a good opportunity for them to maybe get a little more from each other because of that old relationship. Um, so that's just a little bit of the response on the text line at nine sixty at nine sixty. Steinberg Vickers along with you. Thanks for being along with us this hour and this hour is the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.